0: If you would join me in a word of prayer now, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you humbled, humbled at the power, the power that you have and yet humbled too at the love, the love that you love us with, that you love us no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our lives, we can still turn to you because that love is open and full. Lord, we pray for the Kenya group as they come back, that they might come back safely and healthy, that they uh, might be rejoicing for the work they've seen you do. Lord, we're about to open your word. We're about to hear some things that uh, sometimes are comfortable and sometimes are uncomfortable. But Lord, uh, we ask that the Holy Spirit be the guide here, that the words that are heard and seen, passages that are reviewed are all from you. That the folks that are here, including me, that we might hear your still small voice lead us. Lead us in love and understanding. We ask all this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This morning, it's going to be a little bit different than Pastor Blake's normal um, message. We're going to have a topical message. And as you guys probably gathered, it's on marriage. If you look at the back of your bulletins, it's got the the title of the lesson. But um, we're going to be looking at tons of verses. So there's going to be a little bit of a wild ride in, in that respect. But what's going to happen this morning, hopefully, is that we hear a little bit more about how the Holy Spirit works and is working today in the church and in our bodies. Believe it or not, marriage and families are under attack today. If you happen to look at the news, it's happening all over the place. And sometimes it's disheartening because some of the statistics are actually mind blowing. Uh, For example, 50% of all marriages in America end in divorce. The statistics are not any different inside the church's walls. That's a mind-blowing number for me. And also, the family's being destroyed in some ways. Uh, There's a recent Pew survey came out a couple weeks ago that says 23% of U.S. uh, US children under 18 live with one parent and no other adult. That's compared to 7% in the other countries that they surveyed. And the numbers among professing Christians is about the same in this country. So really, what's happened? What's going on? Well, a long time ago, I scratched my head over this subject. And the Holy Spirit led me to look at some things. And what I finally came as a conclusion, and this was a conclusion in my life too, is that mankind's forgotten who created marriage. We think that marriage is some sort of societal construct. It's an arbitrary thing that was developed just because it's a great way of taking care of kids. It's not. Marriage was constructed by God, and we're gonna see that. But we as Christians throughout history, we've been faced with the incursion into God's creation. And it confronted us with a decision, a decision of what to do with that incursion. And uh, there's been several responses that we as Christians have always had to these incursions. And uh, I think Charles Cloth in 1999 and J. Grisham Machen in 1914 said that Christians have four choices. And I think this succinctly lays out what those four choices are. The first choice is wholesale capitulation to the pagan public values or agenda. So whatever the, the pagan world has decided to do, whatever Satan's out there playing around with, we just say, we surrender, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and we don't need to worry about it. Uh, that's one, one approach, and we see that today. Even among Christians, we see that. There's another one, which is we can accommodate to societal uh, environment with re- endless reinterpretations of the scripture. That's what uh, Charles Cloth calls the elastic Bible. And we all know about the elastic Bible. That's the one where you say, uh, this doesn't quite fit my life. Let's stretch it and make it fit my life. Does that work? Well, No. It's God's word, it's God's word. It hasn't changed. God doesn't change. It's unchanging. It's not elastic. But that's one of the approaches that I even see today. There's a really large denomination that's being split in half over this, and they're talking about their elastic Bible. So it's really mind-blowing that these things happen, but they are happening. Then the other approach has been been done throughout history too and that's you have a physical separation from the culture. That's how you have monasteries or isolated religious communities where we don't let the outside in. God didn't call us to be isolated. He called us to be ambassadors, right? He called us to be in the world but not of it. So that creates kind of the the, the four, three major choice, uh, approaches that are out there that are obvious to us. But the other approach is try to envelop this within the scriptural framework, whatever, the, whatever it is. I love Daniel chapter 1 for this, for this illustration in particular because in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel doesn't say, hey, kill me. Daniel doesn't say, hey, I'm going to be what you guys want me to be. He says, in essence, let me follow the Lord's way. I can still be inside the king's house. I can still be here. Let me follow the Lord's way. And We see how that works for him. He's in, he envelops his environment in this scriptural framework. It's clearly stated in another way in Romans 12, 2. Do, be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. What is good and acceptable and perfect. The battle we see out here today in marriage is the battle in the mind a physical battle, too, but it's also a battle of the spirit, and it's a battle of the mind and the spirit. I've been teaching on Christian marriage for over 30 years. All right. The other side. Okay. Does that work better? Okay. (laughs) Left or right, it doesn't. Anyway, I've been teaching in Christian marriage for about 30 years. Marvina and I have uh, led classes in marriage for uh, almost that long. Um, But I've got a few short words that I want to share with you this morning concerning this subject in particular and in general. Um, I will tell you seriously at the outset that I cannot spend the next two hours that I've got to discuss this with you in such a way that I can give you such a comprehensive answer to all your questions. Uh, The truth of the matter is, is I'm still on this journey too. Just like most of us, you know, we're still on this journey with God, right? Well, I'm also on this journey with Marvina. We're still taking steps every day. We're still learning about each other. We're still having new things occur in our lives. So I haven't reached what I would tell you is the pinnacle of all knowledge, it's, it's not there. What I am gonna do is I'm gonna share with you some things that, that God tells us specifically about marriage and also give you a little bit of insight into some things that I've discovered through my own Bible studies over the years. And and one of them is, first, we have to figure out that God created us. A lot of folks don't recognize that necessarily, but God created us. I know the world outside the building doesn't seem to think so, but God created us. God created us as man and woman. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. That's a partner. A partner for worship, for service, for family, for community, for life. But he says a whole bunch of other things about it too. Well, let's look at Genesis 2.24, and we'll start there and start expanding out of that. In Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. I don't know about you, but this word cleave is fascinating to me. I don't know what what he really means by this. Now, please forgive me those of you that are Hebrew scholars. Uh, The Hebrew word is dabek. Now, if I mispronounce it. So be it, but uh, da-beck. Da-beck is a very bizarre word because cleave sounds like one thing or join sounds like one thing. Those are the English word interpretations of this da-beck. But da-beck is to be bound, glued together, and inseparable. Wow. Glued together and inseparable. If you do a word study on this word in particular, you start discovering that it's found in other places in the Bible. It's not just here. Uh, there are several other places in the Old Testament Dabek has found, and I'm going to just hit one other verse uh, in the Old Testament. And it's Deuteronomy 13.4. It says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and cleave unto him wait a minute, we're to cleave to God and we're to cleave to our spouse. Is that the same? It's the same word. I can't tell you it's the same because things are different between spouses and between us and God, but it's the same word. It's to be joined and inseparable. I certainly want to be joined and inseparable with God. Amen? I would hope we all want to be joined and inseparable to God, cleaved to God. And there's sometimes I'm not sure I want to be joined and inseparable with my wife. I mean, seriously, there's there's times I'm not all that happy about it. And what I discovered, though, too, is there are times that I wasn't all that happy about being cleaved and joined and inseparable with God, too. Because there's sometimes I like to do stuff that God's not all that happy about. And he's more than happy to tell me about it. I'm not trying to tell you that Marvina is equal to God. I'm just trying to tell you that the word that talks about how we're to be joined together is the same word. And if, and if you really don't understand it that way, we can go start talking about the Greek translations. So let's look at what Jesus says when he quotes Genesis 2.24. In Matthew uh, 19, 5 he said, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Okay. And then Matthew and Mark 10 7, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The Greek word there is multiple words, it's pro cleho. And it again is closely glued is the best way of translating it in English. Closely glued. So even Jesus quotes it, and he quotes it using the same type of word. He doesn't quote it with some word like put together or some other word. He uses the word that's the same type of uh, definition. And the same word is used again in uh, Acts 11.23. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Here we are, that same word. So what, what are we talking about here? Why, why this imagery? Why is all that going on? I can't tell you that I know the mind of God, but I can tell you that he's given us scripture that tells us about his mind. And in Genesis 1.23, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Together, we are created in the image of God. Very interesting thought. Because I can tell you right now, Marvina is very happy she doesn't look like me. Okay? My daughter's really happy. She doesn't look like me, too, I might add. But we're in that image. We're in that physical and spiritual image of God. Male and female, we're in that image. What are the ramifications of that? What does that mean? That means that there's parts and pieces of the image of God somewhat incomplete in both of us. But it's there. So together, we're a more complete image, logically speaking. We're a more complete image of God together than we are separated by ourselves. That's an interesting thought. But we're, we're all born with a missing component of God. You know that, don't you? We're all born with a missing component of God. And what is that component we're missing? We're missing the Holy Spirit. Wow. Image, image, missing something. Marriage is not the direction and creation of some social construct. Marriage is about the direction and creation in the image of God. God built marriage to be a three-strand cord. Husband, wife, and the Holy Spirit. That's what a godly marriage is. I could probably stop here and not say anything else, and you guys can wander off and try to figure out for yourself what does that mean. Well, that has ramifications, though. All right. It has ramifications that go deep. It goes deep in everything we do. When we are united in faith with the Holy Spirit, our spouse and us, and together with our spouse, and united with the Holy Spirit, we are stronger. We're able to handle the fights that come out from outside, the attacks from Satan, the attacks from even our own our own flesh, and the attacks from society. I, I can speak from the male point of view and tell you that it's fantastic to walk in the door of my house and get a hug from my wife and know that I've come to a place where God's worshipped and there's a sanctuary for me. I use the term, I'm out fighting the dragons all day, and I come home. Well, I come home, and I know my wife's been fighting the dragons too, but I know that together, the three of us are strengthening each other, and the Holy Holy Spirit strengthens us together the same way. That three-strand cord, though, requires us to understand there are different roles. A husband has several roles, and I'm going to hit a few of those quickly here. Leadership is one of the roles. He sets the standards based upon the Word of God. He's an example to the family and a witness to God's love and forgiveness. He's the head of the family, not the dictator. We're called to love our wife. We're called to love our wife as Christ loves the church. This includes respect and honor. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Wow. Do you really, men, do you really believe that you would die for your wife? I've seen on TV and in the movies where somebody said, well, I just want to kill my wife. But that's not not what's said here. Will you really give everything for your wife? Will you give your life? My wife is my treasure. Proverbs 12, 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is the rottenness in his bones. (laughs) But I will tell you, my wife is my treasure. In fact, I'm going to let you all in on a little secret. I actually call my wife my treasure. I tell her that. She's my treasure. Where did this treasure come from? It's a gift from God. You know, I wasn't wandering around the seashore and just picked up Marvina. God put things together so that I ran into her. That I was attracted to her. That I grew to know her. That I spiritually bonded with her. She's my treasure. So because she's my treasure, I also have another duty. If you love your wife as Christ loved the church, you should protect her just like he protects us and died for us. Wow. Are you protecting your wife when you're angry, demanding, and abusive? Think about that a second. If we are the bride of Christ, how does Christ treat us? Do you treat your bride like Christ treats the church? I'm just going to ask the question. You need to think about that on your own. We're called to treat our wife with patience, encouragement, love, forgiveness. Seek their hearts, pray, pray, for prayers that unify. Christ loved us so much, he even sent us a comforter. Do we comfort our pride? So that we're not spending the whole time on on the men, let's talk a little bit about the women too. God created women to walk beside their husband. In Ephesians 5.33, "'Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself.'" And the wife see that she reverence her husband. She's supposed to respect him. I know, there are a lot of times I honestly got to tell you, I'm not sure I deserve respect. But I know that those times Marvina has wrapped her arms around me and said, yeah, I know you're trying. She's respected me. Even honestly, I didn't deserve it. So... The other part of this problem is is we're both in relationships that are in relationship with flawed people. She supports the marriage through joint service. There's a whole bunch of Proverbs 31 stuff, and I'll hit a couple of those. But uh, she shall do him, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's 31.12. 31.25, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. And then 31.30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. That being equally yoked together is really important for us. Then the third component is the Holy Spirit. God's comfort to the believer. He unites the marriage by bathing it in Christ's love and it enables love. The model for love is not something I invented. The model for love is found here in the Bible, in the Scripture. The model for love, God gives us. God gives us the capacity for love because he loved us first. That capacity for love in a marriage is really, really hard needs to be dipped into, nurtured, grown. And that capacity for love, I can tell you, in my, in my marriage comes from on, only one source, and that's the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of this, the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. When I see When I seek God's face personally, I find forgiveness. When I seek God's face personally, I find mercy. I find grace. I find respect. I find gratitude. I find love when I seek God's face. When I seek God's face, and it's a relationship issue I have with Marvina, I go to seek God's face first. I know it's hard. It's hard when you're in those escalators that take you down into the ugly places of fights and anger. But what stops me hopping on those escalators that just take me down to the basement of my life is seeking God's face. So a challenge for everybody here who's married to to seek God's face. But guess what? That's a challenge for everybody anyway, to seek God's face. What does the strong marriage team look like? You look at it and you see God's love. You see Christ's love for the church. You see our love for our spouse. And you see the love for Christ as well. Respect your differences. Honor each other from the heart of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit within you. All this comes out of the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Communications with each other. I got to tell you, God communicates with us and we communicate with God through prayer. I'm not saying pray to your spouse. What I'm saying is you got to talk to him. I find the more I talk to God, the more he talks to me, the more I have a relationship. Well, the same works for your spouse. The more you talk with your spouse, the more you have a relationship. And I mean talk to them and with them not at them all right and i would tell you too know your holy know your spiritual gifts know the know the gifts of the holy spirit the ones that specifically are for you because guess what he normally puts us together so that we can support one another but that's true about the church it's a good thing to know your holy spirit your spiritual gifts from the holy spirit because You have a place in the body of Christ. We have a place in the home, but you also have a place in the body of Christ. A Christian marriage is an example to everyone and is a reflection of Christ's love. In Hebrews 12, 1, wherefore seeing we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the rates that is set before us. There's sin in our lives. There's danger and damage in our relationships. But there are a lot of people watching us there are a lot of people watching us as Christians. Can you set aside that sin? Can you set aside that damage? Can you ask for forgiveness for that and continue to run the race that God's laid out for you? He's laid one out for all of us. He's laid one out for me, He's laid one out for you. There is a race, we are in a race. And it involves God's plan for our lives, but it also involves our brothers and sisters and spouses because we're to run this race together. Lay aside the sin, lay aside the blame, lay aside the anger that's in your life and step out and run the race and run a strong race. Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you, come to you humbled, humbled that you put together marriage, humbled that you put together the family. Lord, you knew from the very beginning that we needed you. And you knew from the very beginning that we needed each other. That we're not islands, that not we're not people just a wash going to and fro in the ocean. We need an anchor. Thank you for providing that anchor. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, help us to run the race. Help us to know that you've forgiven our sins. Help us to set aside that sin and help us to move forward as brothers and sisters and lovers of your son. Thank you for loving us. We ask all this in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen.